Hi, everybody. This is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say... Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. Are you awake? Whoa! Are you awake now? But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Say what? Dear God, she's going to kill us all. Welcome to the WKRP cast, a deep dive rewatch podcast, spending time with America's favorite radio station, WKRP in Cincinnati. My name is Alan Stair. And I'm his wife, Donna. This is a week-by-week, episode-by-episode rewatch. We're getting into the trivia, the characters, and the details that have made WKRP one of America's favorite syndicated sitcoms for nearly 40 years. So, fellow babies, don't touch that dial. It's time for the WKRP cast. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. Welcome back to another WKRP cast. We've hit double digits. It's time for episode 10. And uh, what do we got up today, Donna? We are ready for a date with Jennifer. It aired on January 22nd, 1979. Written by Hugh Wilson, Richard Sanders, and Michael Fairman. The story editors were Tom Chehak, Bill Dial, Blake Hunter, and Emily Marshall. It was directed by Asad Kalata. In this episode, Mr. Carlson has been on a communication craze ever since returning from a convention. He's been writing memo after memo and instituting new station policies. Les announces that he's won the coveted Silver Sow Award. And he needs a date for the awards banquet. And you know what this one really feels like to me? The laughs are back. The last two episodes, it's just felt like... We've had to do business with Mama's Review, trying to get that audience locked in. So it was recycled last. We'd already seen those. And then the one before that, we're not even going to talk about. No laughs there. This one, we are back and the laughs are wall to wall. We've got all kinds of new stuff and a couple of very familiar names in the writer's corner. Yes. It's it's Les and Sam. Right, Sam from Sam's Sam's Shoe Shoe Store from the turkey episode. Hey, you got permission to be out here? What? You're blocking my store here, buddy. Michael Fairman. <laughs> and he's good friends with Richard Sanders. Yeah, so Les and Sam got together and wrote an episode about Les getting a date with Jennifer. You know, <laughs> if you've got the chance to bring your fantasies to life, I guess Richard Sanders decided to go ahead and, and make it happen. He got a date with Jennifer. Let's get into it. You ready to get into the studio? Yeah, let's go. We start out in the studio and we get right to it. Les is on the air and, and Oh my goodness. And now a special look at this episode's bandage placement for the five-time Buckeye Newshawk Award winner, Les Nessman. This is the Les Nessman Bandage Report. Now here's Donna Stair with her report about Les Nessman. Left hand, ring finger. This has been a look at the bandage placement for Silver Sow and Copper Cobb award-winning journalist, Les Nessman. All right, the Les Nessman Bandage Report doing it each and every WKRP cast because Richard Sanders will not stop. He just <laughs> keeps finding he new, places new places to put Band-Aids. Now, I know we've talked about this before, yeah. but Les's wedding band, here he's got the bandage on his left hand ring finger and the wedding band is right there very blatant he's not supposed to be married in this show his character yet he wears 
this wedding band. Now, we were talking about the prep for this. Richard Sanders preparing for this and getting the bandage put on and everything. He is looking right at his wedding band right. as he is putting that Band-Aid on. So I don't think that it's a mistake. I It feels conscious. It feels it, intentional. It and also, when you think about Richard Sanders' career as a stage actor and his very deep study of acting and his method and all of the things that he does that he brings to less. This seems like one of those details that as an actor, he wouldn't miss that. No, he wouldn't. I don't think he would. That's why I think it's intentional. That he's very aware that his wedding band is there. And You know, we have mentioned I don't know. that his wife, Marilyn Marco Sanders, is Les's wife. She's a part of the crew working uh, in continuity, so she's always around the set. I wonder if this is just something Les is doing to show that that solidarity with her. I mean, you know, you and I, if either one of us ever takes off our wedding band, the other one notices it. You know, if yes. it's washing your hands or whatever. Maybe he wouldn't feel good. Maybe it would yeah. feel weird yeah. without it or and, something. And to be that visible and around his wife. I mean, there are men that go to work and for safety reasons or whatever, they take their wedding ring off during the day. But if their wife was standing right there, maybe they wouldn't feel as comfortable about doing that. So maybe that's what Richard Sanders is dealing with here. I don't know. So anyway, let's let's get on to uh, the important news of the day. Les gives his farm report on sluggish hogs stumbling through the Chicago market and chickens taking a bath for the second time this week. I always love this wordplay that you find on WKRP, taking these terms that normally you associate with describing a market. A sluggish market is, you know. Oh, I see. Normally the market is sluggish, but... Les just put sluggish in front of hogs, so now you get this great visual of hogs stumbling sluggishly through the Chicago market. Now, chickens taking a bath for the second time this week. What's chickens taking a bath word play well, mean? Well, you know, if you take a bath in a market, it means you lose a lot of money. If, oh. if you've lost a ton on something, you've taken a bath on it. So the chicken market may have taken a bath, but I definitely have a visual on chickens taking a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So those are the stories, but... Maybe those aren't the big story. Right. It's funny because after he does this little report about the hogs and the chickens, he tosses the papers just off. <laughs> He's okay, done with that. Because he wants to get to the major news story. Once again, today's major story. Yours truly, your own farm reports director, Les Nessman, has been named the winner of the coveted Silver Sow Award. <laughs> Notice he says once again, right. we cut into the middle of his cast as the, the fade up on the cold open. So there had been some less cast going on before that. And I think he opened the cast with this announcement. And now he's coming back you're right. and capping it off at the end in case you missed it. And, and what was that again? The coveted Silver Sow Award. Now, how do you get something like that? Who Who is that from? Well, you found out there is a lot of information about this Silver Sow Award. And one of the things we found out, <laughs> it's not mentioned in this episode, but the Silver Sow is presented by the Peter Piper Pork Packers Guild. <laughs> <laughs> they pack a lot of pork. They do. The Peter Piper packed pork. How much pork would Peter Piper pack? I think is what we're talking about here. But that that's not in this episode. But we just had to throw that in. That's that is who is presenting that to us. So less finishes up his cast and he is on a high he's oh, on a, he a silver sow he's high floating and he hits <laughs> a commercial men ever stop to think what's wrong with you mr macho wig company voiced by 
the most macho voice ever. <laughs> this guy is incredible. His name is Brad Crandall, and I swear you can hear the mustache. You can hear the waving locks of hair. This guy is <laughs> macho. And he's probably got women hanging off of oh, him as he's announcing. On, on each arm as he's walking along in a leisure suit talking about these wigs. But Brad Crandall, that voice, that incredible voice that Les is listening to, was born in 1927. He was a voiceover guy for commercials. He became a disc jockey during the Korean War, and he called himself Brad Bradley at that time. In the 1960s, he was a talk radio host on WNBC in New York. And I mean, this guy was influential to the point of influencing a young man by the name of Howard Stern, who listened to him when as a child. he was yeah, as uh-huh. a kid. Howard was listening to Brad Crandall, and Brad was one of the reasons Howard wanted to get into radio. And Howard, he did okay. With that radio he thing. He did all right. That, that he, Stern boy he, did all right, yeah. Now, you may have also recognized this voice, and I think I perked up when it came on. I said, wow, I know that voice, and I was trying to place it. He did the narration for NFL films in the 80s. There are no more overblown, melodramatic narrations than NFL films. A confrontation with the Miami Dolphins was supposed to produce the ultimate offensive battle, and the 49ers were ready to fight. That is where I think I know Brad from doing those narrations. And he died at a young age. He was only 63. Yeah. And he died in 1991 of kidney failure. Yeah, just too bad to hear about that because, wow, what a fun voice, great voice, and obviously a fun guy getting in here doing Mr. Macho. So that's Brad Crandall, who's the announcer for Mr. Macho. Let's go ahead and play the whole commercial and then talk about it. Men. Ever stop to think what's wrong with you dining alone? No beautiful girls in your life. Always the insipid jerk who makes other people want to throw up the moment you enter a room. Well, relax. Nine out of ten times, the problem is simply loss of hair. Has the answer. Natural looking hair pieces that feel as good as they look in the wind, in the jungle, in the shower. When you're with that very special girl, only you and Mr. Macho will know your secret. So in Cincinnati, dial 555MCHO. That's 555 Macho. Ask for Clarence. All right. So that interaction that was going on there, we heard just the audio of it. What's going on in the studio is Les is almost hugging the speaker, listening to this voice coming out, telling him about these wonderful things and reacting to all of those sound yes, effects. In the shower, in the jungle. And when, he's, when the wind blows, there, he responds blows, yes. to it. Yes. Just a, a great, great little set piece for Richard Sanders. When the girl giggles. Yes. That, that kind of, that's snaps, a little too much it, for him. It snaps him back to reality. And he, he looks suddenly embarrassed and kind of looks around to each side. I think he straightens his tie a little bit. But yeah, the. Makes the, you wonder what he was thinking the, when he heard that well, giggle. It, uh, it obviously was getting a little too real there. So yeah, but a, but a lot of fun with that. And he is so transported by this commercial that as it ends. He doesn't continue with anything. He grabs a pen and he oh, starts he's writing, writing down, the, down the information, the, phone the contact information, and it says to ask for Clarence. And and what was that number again? Dial 555-MCHO. That's 
555-MACHO. 555-MACHO. And so he's wanting to get that down. He He's ready to call him <laughs> as soon as he can. So Johnny he walks in. on the air. Les is sitting there taking notes. There's nothing going out over the air. Les is supposed to be doing the news. <laughs> right. And, and Johnny says, hey. Les, you got dead air. Which Les hears as dead hair? What? Because yeah. he's yeah. so focused. At, so focused on his on hair. On his hair. I or lack not, of it. You know, I've never considered... Less vain, that there's a lot of vanity there. I've always felt Les is pretty comfortable looking the way he does and as he is. And this kind of addresses, there may be some lack of confidence there due to his appearance. I don't think he ever really thought about it before, but now he's needing a date. He's having to think about, how do I ask a girl out? I don't know how to do that. And now he's starting to think of his appearance. Well, but I think Les is, there have been other ladies in Les's life. Yes. So, you know, it, the Les look works, but suddenly now... The commercial Mr. hit him Macho hard. Mr. Macho has hit him hard. Yes. Worried Her- about the growth. And isn't this a universal theme Even today, still, you will get bombarded in your inbox, in your email, and on whatever website you're on about hair growth. It's always been a way for somebody like Mr. Macho to make money off of the insecurity (laughs) of guys that maybe it's getting a little thin on top. Guys, don't worry about it. They make a lot of money off of people's insecurities, weight loss. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's baggy eyes. Billions of dollars. Uh, Anyway, Johnny gets in there and. Les does a horrible thing to Johnny. He suddenly does a quick sign-off. Now back to the Dr. Johnny Fever show, already in progress. Here's Johnny now, already in progress. Johnny was very casually flipping through some albums and figuring out what he was going to put on the air, and all of a sudden, the chair's empty, the mic's on. (laughs) So he sits down, and he quickly congratulates Les. Congratulations on that proud pork award. (laughs) That's the silver sow, Johnny. Right you are, Les. The proud pork award, yes. Nobody in the entire episode seems to get the <laughs> no, name of this award it's a running, correctly. It's a fun running gag. It is. Johnny goes into Awesome Grateful Dead tune, Shakedown Street. We've seen Johnny with Grateful Dead albums in his hand before. We also have heard Johnny reference a lot of San Francisco things. He told that story about Golden Gate Bridge when Les was on the ledge. Howard Hessman, very definitely tied to San Francisco. He also worked as a DJ at KMPX in San Francisco. So yeah, I think that's, that's why we run into a lot of dead. That's and a where lot the of, Grateful Dead are based. Oh, yeah, right there in the Haight-Ashbury. The dead made it famous. Knowing that Howard Hessman has the ability to program what Johnny's playing, I think that influences it as well. And once he starts this song, he then picks up a, a clipboard and he's writing. He's logging the song. Yeah, and you and were telling me about well, that. Well, I did this a few times way back when, before digital tracked everything. There would be diary weeks or logging weeks at the station where every song that you played, you had to write down the song title and, also, and then in parentheses, Always under every song title, you see these last names, or there'll be like a first initial and a last name. Those are the people that wrote the song. And what we were doing was keeping track of a week's slice of what we were playing as a representation of three months or six months of our playlist. So artists would get paid based on that. All of the radio stations had to pay the licensing agencies, which are ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, those are the major ones in North America, 
all the radio stations were paying money to these, and they determined how to divvy that up among all the guys that were out there writing songs mm-hmm. by these diaries. And I think that's what Johnny was doing because he went to the back of the album, which is where you're going to find that writer's and name. And you had to do all of that manually. And Yeah, yeah. There was a clipboard that, and we hated it. That week we hated it. You you didn't want a show with a lot of music on it because you were writing all the time. Grandpa, Every time you tell me about the good yeah, old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time you push a button, you're having to write something down. It's too much paperwork. Just there for the music and, and, and being able to talk. And now they probably just click on something and boom, it's well, done. Now it's, or it's automated. Or... It, it's the digital rights management. The DRM stuff is built into every MP3 mm. file that gets played. It's automatically logged and reported well, there you go. to the agencies instantly. So there's an actual real... And, and also not even radio stations, just you on your, your phone and wherever you listen to music. Every time you play... There's a report as another play, so the artist gets another penny or two, or probably like an eighth of a cent or something. Well, as the song's playing, Les comes over and he turns the volume in the studio all the way down, and he sticks his head right <laughs> in Johnny's face. Johnny's seated, and Les is standing beside him and bends, bends all the way down to see the top of his, his head. sticks his bald spot right in Johnny's face. And, and amazingly... And says, what do you think of my hair? What do you think of my hair? Johnny? Yes? <laughs> What do you think of my hair? Johnny doesn't bust up laughing. Les doesn't bust up laughing. No, Les keeps his pros. head. Oh, they're pros. They're yes. amazing. Les keeps his head down next to Johnny for a long time. They carry on a conversation with Les bent over and Johnny looking at the top of his head. But he says, "What do you think of my hair?" And Johnny says, "Well, it's it's fern-like." <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that term applied to hair. Uh, <laughs> Les is worried that maybe he's losing his hair, and we have visual evidence that that is true. Um, there, there's a little problem on top, Les. There's no maybe to it, Les. No, it's not a maybe. And then they step away. Johnny's getting stuff set up for his show, and he's walking over and back and forth to the record stacks, and Les is following him, and he makes the comment, girls like you to Johnny. He's wanting to ask girls out and he doesn't know how and he's worried about it. And Johnny's And like, he thinks oh. Johnny's the man. So yeah, he's like, well, and Johnny, well, and Johnny even says, I'm having trouble on top too, meaning his hair is thinning as well. Right. You know, it's like you're not the only guy in this boat. And that's when Les says girls like you to Johnny. They do? Yes. Names, Les. I need names. <laughs> So then Johnny John, gives him some Johnny's tips. not getting the same feedback from the girls, obviously. Uh, and whatever Les is thinking is yeah, not, not, not true. <laughs> and and Johnny gives Les tips on how to ask a girl out. You just pick up the phone, you call the girl, you say, uh, why don't we go out tomorrow night? She says yes, you chuckle nonchalantly and hang up. So then Les practices what Johnny has just told him by pantomiming asking a girl out on the phone. During that, Les smiles. And it's kind of a forced smile, and it will <laughs> haunt my dreams for many months. It was not a good see look Les on Les. Smile very often, and and this was it was weird. No, it wasn't working for me, and I'm really glad he was on the phone when he did that. That the girl did not see that smile, so that was. But then we. So that's the cold open. There we go. Boom. We're into the theme song. Cincinnati. Hey, you ready to get into a brand new part of the station where exactly. we've never been before? a room we've never been in before. We've heard her comment about his desk or his office, and we've heard Les comment about the news office, but we've never been there. Well, oh, we just got in the bullpen. Here we are. And it's a grouping of desks for Bailey, 
Herb, and Les. Yeah, it, it's kind of the catch-all from a TV production standpoint. We really can't do a hallway with individual offices all the way down it to give them all an office. How are they going to interact, and how are we going to shoot that? Well, let's put them mm-hmm. in a, just a big room so they can all talk to each other. And that's what they've done with the bullpen. Right, but Les has taken yellow tape and put it on the floor surrounding his area to indicate where walls and a door would be if he had walls and a door. Now, here's here's <laughs> a question that came up in my mind, and it was enough that I did go looking to see if I could find any information about this. Les's walls become so much an, a symbolic part of Les. People know that about him. People that are casual watchers of the show know about Les's walls, and this is our first look at them in a show written by Richard Sanders. Now, mm-hmm. who came up with those walls? Was that Hugh Wilson for the show, thinking about this as a continuing, ongoing joke that is going to last, you know, for season after season. Or did Richard Sanders come up with this in this episode and it became that ongoing joke? I think Richard Sanders came up with it because he knows less and less would want walls. And it is so emblematic of Les's personality, the, the walls that a news director should have. Which this he is, states in yeah, this episode, yeah. yeah. So uh, I I do kind of get the feeling that this may have been an invention of Sanders Fairman, and uh, Hugh said, like it, let's do it. I went to the trouble of putting these lines here to indicate the walls of the private office a news director should have. I would appreciate it if you would be kind enough to observe them. Les insists that everyone respect these walls and and the door by knocking on the so-called door. Which creates some... And entering and exiting through the spot where the door should be, not through the walls. If it is solid tape, you cannot pass through that. Those are walls. Right. Hold on a minute. Could we scan over to the left there and uh, look at the gentleman uh, in the mint green suit? It's It's time. time. Herb Darling, fashion alert. Mint green suit with slightly off greenish yellowish pocket flaps. And it's a clashing. And a stripe that it's goes across the back onto green. the front. Yeah, it's not a pretty color. No. That and of is course a, he's ooh. yeah. He's wearing the tarlic knot tie. And it's brown with yellow stripes, his white belt, and shoes, which really, like, they really stick out oh, with this the, outfit. They set off the green in a way. They pop. They pop. Oh, yes. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a statement that uh, has an exclamation point at the end of it, very definitely. And Herb is trying, but he really is not respecting the tape. Well, he's anxious to go congratulate Les on his award, and he walks right through the wall, and Les <laughs> and makes him go back and do it again. And hold on, what do you call it? I just wanted to uh, congratulate you on that uh, pig thing. That pig thing, <laughs> yeah, that pig, yes. Yeah, you know, that pig thing. You know? <laughs> and, and just the fact that Herb even knows it's associated with pigs, I think is a win. Really. <laughs> if Herb's paying that much attention, that's a win. So far, we We've had the uh, Proud Pork Award, and now the pig thing. <laughs> the pig thing. <laughs> and Les corrects everybody. That's the silver sow. But uh, I thought that was nice of Herb to go congratulate him, even though he did walk through his walls. Well, but then Les is so distracted by the idea of the date and the hair and all this stuff. 
Les kind of, he asks Herb out, basically. To go with him. Yeah. And he doesn't mean it like a no, date. He, he just wants a buddy to go with him. But I felt a little bad for Les, and then Herb was not very polite about no. it. I don't go out with guys, Les. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little rule with me. So I think Les could have reined that one in a little bit. That was a kind of a desperate move. And thankfully, Herb said no, or that would have been the end of the episode right there. <laughs> uh, if Herb had said, sure, Les, I'll go with you. Free meal. What the heck? He leaves. I mean, he doesn't use the door correctly. Oh, and, and they have so much fun. These guys have so much fun. Great choreography here between Herb and Les and the fake door. Opening it, slamming it, opening it, standing in okay. the doorway and, and talking. Then, and then Les gets upset and he slams the door in Herb's face and Herb reacts as though someone had actually slammed a yeah, door like, in his face. as you would. Face. If somebody slams the door in oh, your face, yeah. you kind of jerk your head back. You and... pull your head back into the side and he, it was <laughs> and beautiful. Um, I saw the door. I saw the door hitting him. Once almost, again, I, almost hitting him in the face. I know. I say it pretty much every episode. I love Frank Bonner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the door's been slammed in Herb's face, and and he reacts to it. He goes to his desk, and he's like, Bailey, what's wrong with Les? And this is one of the few lines that Bailey has in this whole episode. I don't know, Herb. Well, and Herb is making his way across the bullpen to his desk, so it's kind of an aside comment to Bailey as he goes by. Right. (laughs) And Herb sits down and grabs one of the (laughs) greatest Herb accessories ever. He's got a mirror on a scissor extending arm that comes up out of his desk. Which doesn't surprise me at all. I want one. That's a Herb thing. I want one. I I comb my hair maybe once a week, but I want one of those. And he starts working on his hair. He's working the hair over, looking in the mirror, making these comments to Bailey. About Les. Guy gets a gray hog award and he suddenly gets snooty on us. And Bailey's concerned and she's like, oh, Herb. It's all right. He can't hear us. His door's closed. He closed it in Herb's face. So, But, but, it's, <laughs> but it's starting to become a thing that we can picture we we right. think about it i mean when people are walking around in the bullpen i'm thinking are they interacting properly with the walls even when nobody's commenting on it i'm worried about it and when there are people interacting in the bullpen and less is in his office he does not react he is to oblivious. those people he's oblivious. because he's in his office with the door closed. <laughs> All right, so we see Jennifer come in from these double doors, these glass doors that we can mm-hmm. now see out in that hallway. And she comes in and she's got a stack of papers in one hand and she's walking up behind Herb. Who is messing with his hair. Yeah, he's still working on the hair. And she says... The wethead's dead, Herb. Herb snaps the mirror down. Suddenly now, you know, Jennifer is there. But Jennifer is quoting an ad campaign for a men's hairspray that mm-hmm. Gillette came out with in the 70s. It was very, very much a 70s product, and I am betting uh, Gary Sandy's got some in that hair of his. <laughs> I bet he does. Oh, I'm pretty sure that it's there. It was called the Dry Look for Men from Gillette. And I remember these commercials as plainly as I remember anything from my childhood. <laughs> Commercials go back as far as 1971. And there was actually a headstone that said the wethead on it. And these I men, remember that. Oh, these men standing around this headstone. The wethead was dead, and it's time for the dry look. Long live the dry look. Introducing the dry look from Gillette. Dry control for your hair. Keeps it neat but dry. Keeps it looking clean, full, and natural but dry. The wethead is dead. Long live the dry. 
stuff is still being sold today at Target, Walmart, Amazon. Oh, sure. You can get the dry look. It's not being promoted the way it was because I think <laughs> they got that audience locked in there in the 70s. Those guys then passed it on to their son. Son, the wethead is dead. Here, you need this. <laughs> so we've got a generation out there now that have just grown up with the dry look and don't even give a thought to it. So you and, can still get the dry look. And if you would like a vintage can of this the <gasps> dry look hairspray from Gillette, you can go to eBay for just $55. You can get your own can. Yeah, you, or you can get a new can for like 4 bucks. But uh, <laughs> if you want the 70s look, the, the, vintage the can. one they're using in the commercial, you can get it for $55. <laughs> and when Jennifer enters and, and makes this comment, then Herb jumps up and he does this weird thing. I don't... <laughs> He, he just like he, he doesn't know what to say. He it's just, like he presents himself. It's like it's look like at me. Da pose. <laughs> like check me out, and then he then he goes up and starts talking to her. We have pointed out creepy Herb in the past. We had a we had a run in with creepy Herb. This is what I like to call sleazy. Sleazy Herb. Herb. Sleazy Herb is fun. He's sleazy. Now make no mistake. He's really sleazy, but he's fun. And he tells Jennifer, hey. Great news, Lucille's gone to visit her mother for a week. This is our big chance. And in Herb's mind, Jennifer has only been refusing to have anything to do with Herb because Lucille was in town. In his head, that's what he thinks is the big stumbling block here. Right. And now that Lucille's leaving, well, obviously, baby, come on over. It's party time. Well... Jennifer has no interest whatsoever. And when Herb says why, she's got these babies holstered up and ready to go. I have a headache. I have to wash my hair. My mother's in town. I'm engaged. And then Herb, as usual, you know, she said no. And he's like, oh, well. And then he starts looking at the memo she's he passing out. He drops it instantly. Instantly, he's on to the next thing. And that's what he's always done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it's so funny. It's just going through the motions for Herb. It's, it's just a game. It's he knows a fun she's say little no. exercise that he needs to do. I also think about Herb as a sales guy and the sales training that radio and, well, anybody in, in the sales field knows. You don't take no for an answer. You have to get through the no's to get to the yes. You have to get the, the objections out. So Herb is just working through all of Jennifer's objections, and he thinks eventually he's going to get to that point where there's hell's a yes. going to freeze yeah, over yeah, before and that's, that happens. Yeah, they will be skating on hell <laughs> long before that happens. But During this scene, you noticed a Jerry Rafferty album? Yeah. City the, to City, just to the left of Herb and Jennifer as they're having this conversation. You'll see a guy with some big sunglasses on, and that's Jerry's head on that album. I recognized it because I loved that album cover art. He's sitting with a guitar, but he's sitting kind of on the United States. And on one side of him is L.A. and on the other side is New York. So it's kind of a cool album cover. You want to Google it and check it out. It's Jerry Rafferty's City to City. And Jerry Rafferty was the guy who was the voice of Steeler's Wheel for the Stuck in the Middle. And on this album, he had a couple of songs. There was uh, Baker Street. Winding your way down on Baker Street. Lighting your way. And the other one that really did some biz was right down the line. And it was you, woman, right down the line. Yeah, so that was just kind of tucked in over there just to the left of Herb's desk. Now, on Herb's desk, we also 
see something that we've seen right. elsewhere in the state. We see the crossed flags, the American flag and the Ohio State flag, just like what's sitting on Carlson's desk. Little guy's got it on his desk, just like big like guy. Like big guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jennifer's passing out these memos to everybody. Mr. Carlson, he went to a business convention. Now he's gone communication crazy. Memos are being passed out for everything. And this is back in the days before you got an email telling you what the company memo right. was. They, this he, is when paper was handed out amongst the office staff. And we've talked about how Jennifer does not take dictation. Yeah. So we were wondering how is this happening? Where did that memo come from? How does this memo come to be? And obviously on the list of things Jennifer does, passing out memos is acceptable. Right. Taking dictation of a memo, mm -mm, not happening. This memo is a bombshell. Herb is not happy with this one. In keeping with the president's guidelines to cut down on expenses, there will be no more three martini expense account lunches at WKRP. What? You can tell Mr. Carlson he can stick this memo. Morning. On the bulletin board, right where... Good morning, big guy. How's it going? Exactly as Art enters at the moment of stick this memo. Here's Art just timed (laughs) perfectly. And Herb pulls it out, saves it, and puts it on the bulletin board. (laughs) Oh, he he looks like the golden boy, you know, yeah. when Carlson enters. Oh, uh, but that, the timing on that was so because Art doesn't break stride; he just comes right through the door, and Herb was right on it. It was it was great. When Carlson enters, he goes straight to Les's door with air quotes. Yes, and he knocks, and as he knocks, he clicks his heels together to make the knock knock sound. And with dress shoes, it makes a beautiful knock knock sound. And we see Les sitting at his desk reading. The Hog Book. Now, I did not have any familiarity with The Hog Book. But I it was, thought it was a pretend book. Well, it was pretty obvious when he held it up that that was the title of it. So we looked it up, and yes, there is a book called The Hog Book by author William Hedgepath. It is a humor book, but it is really about the history of the hog. Well, more than just the history. Oh, I it's think every, it's, it's every. It in, looks pretty thick. In popular culture and throughout the ages, The Hog Book had come out in 1970. So it was something brand new at the time that Les was reading it. If you're a winner of a Silver Sow Award, of course you're going to be reading the hog book. Mr. Carlson talks to Les as if he's talking through the door, congratulating him on the Silver Sow Award. It's that tone of voice as though you're speaking to somebody that's on the other side of the door. And he's kind of looking down. He's not making (laughs) eye contact with Les. He's looking down because the door's shut. He can't see him. Uh, Les, this is Mr. Carlson. I just heard about your award. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, Art takes this pantomime of the door just to the next level. He is so good with this. Because then he opens the door and he leans in and as he leans in, you see him holding on to the door jam he's that would his, be there. Exactly as if you would lean in. And, and he's got his foot stuck out behind him, and he's leaning in and tells him, Hey, just wanted you to know that we're all very proud of you. And the station's going to pick up a tab for the banquet for you and the date. He could be in white makeup and friends doing the, doing the <laughs> pentamime. <laughs> He's got it. He turns around and walks away, and then, oh, he realizes he forgot forgot to close Les's door. And he turns around, closes it, and then he's approached by Herb. And he does it so beautifully, you always have the status of Les's door in your head. You know whether it's open or closed. It's great. And actually, when the first time we watched this, when he turned and walked away, I was like, oh, he forgot to close close the the door. door. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, So Herb has got a problem. 
uh, when he confronts Art, but not too aggressively, about the whole not paying for the business lunches, what Herb's worried about is... How can you cut out business lunches and still pay for pig banquets? (laughs) (laughs) To which Carlson replies... You get an award and we'll do something about it. So, Herb, get on that, buddy. (laughs) And then Art's motivated. He's got another memo coming around, and uh, so he and Jennifer take off. And Herb just stays on the complaints. Herb ought to get on that phone and start trying to make some sales, but he's just sitting there complaining. Unless he makes the comment... It's station policy now, Herb, and it's our duty to stand behind it. And then Herb, right behind him, uh, mimics him. It's station policy now, Herb, and it's our duty to stand behind it. Herb's got all the playground bully stuff down, he does. doesn't he? He, he does. Just, he's does all of it very well. Les says he believes in following rules, and Herb says, well, t- the, join the Boy Scouts. I am a member of the Boy Scouts. <laughs> and no surprise, last part of the Boy Scouts. We're glad to have you, Mr. Uh, Nesman. <laughs> I could just As see a him fellow in uniform. Boy Scout. Yes, I can too. Uh, Andy t- enters the bullpen, yes. and he's all in the Woo! boy in blue. He is blue boy. Denim jeans, denim jacket, and a the blue shirt underneath is not denim, but he it's missed, the exact blue color. He missed the hat trick on the denim. If he'd have gone with the denim shirt, <laughs> but he just did the blue shirt. It's, it really matches, though, the same color. And he's in there to congratulate Les right. as well. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, Andy. Sure. Oh, Andy, as program director, perhaps it would be proper for you to accompany me to the awards banquet. Oh, get a date, Les. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, and Andy's kind of like, come on, Les, it's a date, it's a night out, go enjoy. During this scene, we see a poster on the wall outside the glass door yeah, entry windows that we're talking about. It's to the far side of the hallway, but we get enough of a shot of it. It's kind of muted, but we can read it. The Cincinnati Ballet Company has chosen to give WKRP a poster. I don't understand the... What that has to do with rock and roll yeah, station. Yeah, the tie to know. rock and roll. Although some ballet companies do modern, you know, more modern dance, so maybe there is some tie there, but... Uh, they just loved, the producers and the set decoration people loved getting anything in from Cincinnati. Local, anything right. local. And a lot of businesses and individuals in Cincinnati during the run of the show would send them things. And that's why you see stuff you know, all over the walls that has Cincinnati on it. And this was one of those things. The Cincinnati Ballet Company was formed in Cincinnati, obviously, in 1958. They had their first performance in 1964. And they are still in operation today. We found their announcement of their mm-hmm. modified 2021 season schedule. Herb begins to tease Les. Who you got in mind, Les? And again, Herb with the bully nee, on nee, the nee, playground. Nee, nee, nee. Well, and then Les kind of starts flipping through his mental Rolodex. Who, who's available? Who's around? Who could he maybe ask out? Right. Well, there's the neighbor lady. She's a widow. She might go with him. And he the said, widow next door. <laughs> the widow next door. Maybe she'd go with me. She's starting to lose her hair, too. Herb's mean. Sounds like a perfect match. Bailey steps in with her one more line. Leave Les alone, Herb. And Les is agreeing with Herb. You know, he's kind of piling on, uh, saying, you know, who'd go out with a guy like me? Now, uh, he's really beating up on himself. Him down, chopping him down, yeah, and now he's starting Les to... Les isn't fighting back. He's buying into it. So then Herb's like, ah, no, come on. Here are the rules to getting a girl. Well, here are Herb's rules Herb's to getting a girl. Rules. Don't put yourself down. That's the first rule in girl getting. Rule number two, dress sharp. And rule number three, the biggie. Remember, when they say no, they mean 
Yes. Herb needs to get a clue. Um, we've got an update on this final rule of his. <laughs> no does not mean yes. <laughs> Check with Olivia Benson. And, uh, yeah, talk to Liv Benson over on uh, Law & Order there, Herb. She's going to slap the cuffs on you <laughs> if you got that attitude. Here comes Jennifer with another memo. Oh, terrific. What's this one about? George Washington's birthday. It's three pages long. I know. There's a lot of stuff in there about Valley Forge. <laughs> Do we get the day off? I don't know. It never says. Herb is kind of getting into this idea of he's going to help less practice how to ask girls out. And I I think he's <laughs> he's doing it really to make fun of less. He's not really being all that helpful. He's kind of wanting to show off how suave he is. But uh, I think he's also kind of, you know, having a little fun with less. I think you can help us out. What is it? Would you let Les practice on you for a minute? So he talks Jennifer into being a guinea pig for this asking out seminar that uh, Herb thinks he's holding here. And Herb steps up to her with his demonstration and he unbuttons his jacket, which seems like a really kind of aggressive move to me. And, and he also, gets right up to her. Oh, yeah. He's right up in her space. Way too close. But then Herb quotes... A beer commercial. What do you say, beautiful? How about uh, you and me getting it together tonight? You only go around once in life, so why not grab a little gusto? But Jennifer is way faster on the not put down. Impressed. I don't like little gustos, her. <laughs> and when she says this, Herb's body does this jerk as if, you know, Jennifer just need him or something. It is like there has, somebody has done a pile driver where you do the slam down on the shoulders and it just dropped him down about a half an inch. He just physically was slammed. Nothing touched him, but it looked like he'd been physically hit when it, Jennifer responded that way. We learned about grabbing some gusto. Yes. Here. Something in me was going, hey, that's a that's a thing. That's a phrase. That's, 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 some, that's something, something somewhere. And, and I did a little an digging. Ad from something, it's isn't an it? ad. Yeah. The beer brand Schlitz. Now that is a good German name. S-C-H-L-I-T-Z. Used to see Schlitz signs everywhere. They had a series of commercials that actually use the same phrase that Herb is using. You know, you gotta take life a day at a time and grab for all the gusto you can, even in the beer you drink. Why settle for less? When you're out of slips, you're out of beer. Only they said, grab all the gusto you can. Herb changed it just a little bit. Why not grab a little gusto? <laughs> Which gave Jennifer that opportunity to come up with that comeback. But he's more or less quoting a beer commercial yeah. to ask uh, a woman out. Now, really, how classy is that? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, and and we also had to know the gusto thing. Yeah, what exactly is grabbing gusto? some gusto and little gustos? And so we looked that up. Gusto is a word that has an Italian basis: vigor, zest, or enjoyment in doing something. And the Italian noun gusto means taste or flavor. So there you go. A little gusto in your schlitz there, but don't use the beer commercials to ask out the girls, Herb. We see behind Herb's head in this scene a giant button for the Cincinnati Stingers. It's a big, round, one of those novelty, probably five or six inches across. And yeah, the Cincinnati Stingers. And I got distracted by it. I'm looking at it and I could read it when they were in tight on Herb. And I thought, I've never heard of this 
Stingers? Who are those guys? So we looked it up. They were an ice hockey team. They played in some organization called the World Hockey Association, which does not, as far as we know, exist anymore. But the World Hockey Association hosted the Cincinnati Stingers from 75 until 79, and their radio home in Cincinnati was WKRC. Right. And when you told me their radio home, I said, what does that mean, well, radio home? Yeah, they carried their games. That's the radio That's station. That's the station that always carried their games. Yeah, okay. carried, carried the Stingers games on the radio was WKRC. Stingers have to keep their heads up as they lead by two, but uh, Indianapolis is playing loose, and uh, they can score a goal. Now, WKRC... WKRC, when WKRP first came on the air, there were a lot of folks that mistakenly thought it was patterned after WKRC. So this is that radio station. And obviously the Stingers, although they only had a few months left before they were going to be completely out of business as a hockey team, they sent in some promotional stuff. That button is there on the bulletin board. And then if you look even to the left, there's a bumper sticker Mm -hmm. of the Stingers. So they were trying, but it didn't work. Didn't work. Well, let's get back to Herb and Jennifer after she cuts him down. He is very <laughs> shaken by this. He has to lean on Les's desk to keep from falling over. The feel of his delivery is very shaky. Like well, somebody she took the wind out of his sails. Oh, it was like somebody smacked him right in the chest really hard and just knocked all the wind out of him. He is shaking and holding on to the edge of the desk. She said no, Herb. Uh, she always says no. Like, come on. It's the scrimmage, not the game. That was a harsh line uh, Jennifer (laughs) laid down on him there. So he turns around and he tells Les, it's your turn. Give it a shot. Now, you're a Les fan. Les Les is is your man on here. What is it about Les that you find pleasing? What, What is the Les mystique? He's just so genuine. He's sincere. He's honest. He doesn't put on airs. He wouldn't quote a beer commercial when asking you out no. on a date. Yeah, and he he talks from the heart. And he's also cute in his bow tie. Right. I think probably non-threatening. He's not an aggressive, manly, macho guy. Well, Les is very hesitant, but he stands up and he goes up to Jennifer, and he's his sincere, honest self. Well, you see, there's this banquet tomorrow night, and... Uh... <laughs> This event is very special to me, and I was wondering if, uh, if you don't have anything else to do, maybe uh, you and I, maybe we could go together. And there is a change in the atmosphere as he is asking this question. He just melts you. I felt it. He, he, he looks like, Jennifer right in the eyes. You're just like, oh, Les. Like a little yeah. puppy. Oh, man, yeah, she ought to go with you. You know, I wasn't going to say yes to him, but I just, oh, yeah. But Jennifer, on, Jennifer says, I'd love to, Les. Well, of course she does. Herb grabs Les. He's standing behind Les. I think if he hadn't grabbed oh Les, he'd gosh. have fallen. He grabs his upper arms from behind, and you can see him squeezing Les's upper arms. He is digging his fingers into Les. But Les just keeps looking at Jennifer. Doesn't break oh, his gaze. Oh, he's transfixed. He is he is floating. He is floating. And Herb <laughs> is in a full-on panic he behind him. Panic. He's, he says, Look, the guy needs practice now. 
Come on, make it uh, tough. You know, make it real. Oh, no, no, no. She said yes, Herb. And when they say yes, they always mean no. It works both ways, right, Jennifer? Jennifer and Jennifer says, says no. No. <laughs> no, Herb. Which, Herb, he puts his... <laughs> He, he, he puts buries his head, his head in the back, back of Leslie's neck. As he's still holding on to his arms. Oh, good God, she said no. <laughs> oh, good God, she said no. <laughs> this is the, almost the physical melding of Lurb right there. We've got them together right. now. <laughs> but Les is still not taking his eyes off Jennifer. And what, what it is, it's like Herb dropped a match accidentally and... A fire now is raging all around him, and he cannot and he stop, can't it. stop He's, it. He was playing with fire, and now, oh boy, is he trying to put the genie back in the bottle. And Jennifer says, all right, let's what time? And Herb's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, kids. He's <laughs> like, make it's, it hard on him. Tell him no. Make just it hard a demonstration. on him. This is just a demonstration. They both ignore him, and they continue with their conversation. Uh, the banquet starts at 6.30, so we could leave right from the office. Well, that'd be just fine. What? All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Once more, once more from the top left. Okay, here we go. Once you get the yes, Herb, just stop selling. That's That's the lesson to learn here. Once you've got the yes, sign the contract and walk out happy. Les and Jennifer agree to leave right from the office to go to this banquet. Yeah, it'll be the next day. It's the next night is this banquet. So on the next day... They will be leaving together, and Herb is in a full-on panic. He follows Jennifer out in the hallway, and he's screaming, What's going on here? He, he probably feels like he's in a different, on a different planet or something. This is not happening. Now, we watch Les with his, aw shucks, just melting Jennifer and getting the yes. But Herb has to do that Herb thing. He's got to be that well, Herb thing. and I brought up, you know, Les is so genuine. We know the kind of guy Les is. Do we really know Herb? No. We've I, never really seen the real Herb because he's always He's on. Clothes. He's yeah. he's always on. He's always being Herb. And he's he's got to be Herb all the time. So it's about the clothes and the hair and the everything that is this facade He's of always putting Herb. on a show, putting up a front. So yeah. we don't know who the real Herb right, is. Right, right. The Herb facade. Yes. Now, a little later that morning, we go into Carlson's office and the blizzard of memos is continuing. Continuing because we've got Andy in the office when Johnny enters and Johnny is on the warpath. About this memo. According to this, we're supposed to start paying for all the coffee we drink around here. What? Yes, there was a memo about you begin paying for the coffee that you drink while you're here at work. What? Oh, my goodness. What? Do you guys have any idea how much we spend here on coffee? Don't mess with Johnny's coffee. There are only certain things in Johnny's world that can get him upset. And, man, messing with his coffee is one of them. Well, that's his legal drug that <laughs> keeps him going. Without that, I mean, he could not do his shifts. No, Johnny's going to be in bad shape if he doesn't have his coffee. You got insomnia, you know. <laughs> Can't go to sleep before three. I gotta get up by five. Get in here, be on the air by six. This coffee keeps me sharp as a tack. Johnny is animated and arguing and in Carlson's face when Herb bursts in. Herb never knocks. No, he never knocks. He just comes right in and he says he wants to talk with Art in private But Johnny is not leaving. He is still in Art's face about this coffee thing. Mm -hmm. Herb's wanting to talk to Mr. Carlson, and he says, hey, big guy, those memos are a great idea. 
And Art is all memo all the time right now, so when he hears that, he's very happy about it. Well, so, somebody just told him he had a great idea, yeah, so yeah. he'll take time out to talk well, with them. And he's also killed about three or four dozen trees with these memos, so they're all over the office right now. Having Herb come in and say he likes them is a great thing. He's telling Johnny and Andy to go ahead and get out of his office. He's going to talk to her. Right, he's throwing them out now. He wants to talk to him. So Johnny amps it up even more. He's now got the finger in the chest. As right. he's trying to make his points with Carlson. He's and, got it right in his face. Oh, he is just so animated. And Andy sees this spinning out of control. Andy grabs Johnny by the arm and starts dragging him out of Art's office, telling him he'll buy him a cup of coffee. And Johnny is screaming as he's going out the door. Free coffee is All a right. constitutional Johnny. right. Johnny, come on. I'll buy no, you I'll buy you a cup of just coffee. Just look it Johnny, up. Juan Valdez versus the state of California. <laughs> his constitutional right. And check out Juan Valdez versus the state of California is what he was shouting there as uh, yes. Andy was dragging him out the door. And you might be thinking, Juan Valdez, how do I know that name? Well, Juan was... Another advertising yeah, gimmick. It is pop culture influence all over this episode. We get all these little commercial quotes. Juan was a logo, basically, for 100% Colombian coffee. He was first introduced by the National Federation of Coffee Growers of Colombia in 1958. He appears... With his co-star... His mule, Conchita. The lovely Conchita. And uh, <laughs> he was in a series of TV commercials in the 70s where he would show up sometimes in people's kitchens with Conchita. And they would be talking about how rich and wonderful the coffee is tasting. And then suddenly you would pan over and there's Juan standing there smiling with Conchita because it's 100% Colombian coffee. His, his mule in the kitchen. Yeah, just standing there in the kitchen. And Juan, <laughs> Juan as an advertising uh, identifier, as a logo, was not associated with any particular brand. He was just associated with the manufacturer of Colombian coffee. So anybody that used 100% Colombian coffee, any brand could put the Juan Valdez stamp on their product. In 1969, uh, a man named Carlos Sanchez began playing Juan Valdez. To make a single pound of his Colombian coffee, Juan Valdez must pick 2,000 coffee beans. Yet he still picks every one of those 2,000 beans by hand. Juan Valdez is a very common name in South America and in Colombia, but it's funny to note that there are no families named Valdez in the coffee-growing regions of <laughs> right. Colombia. The Valdezes are not coffee growers, yet the ad agency thought this was the perfect name for Juan, so he became Juan Valdez. Herb's in Carlson's office and has Carlson's attention by telling him that the memos are a great idea, but there's something going on at WKRP that Mr. Carlson needs to know about. Now, he would never say... Big guy, you ought to issue a memo to stop all these people from dating each other. He just plants the seed in Art's head he and gets Art it, there. Right. He makes it seem like it was Carlson's yeah. idea. It all starts very innocently, big guy. That's what makes it so dangerous. I mean, first there's a, a little conversation at the water fountain. What? Or over coffee. And then it's lunch. And the lunches get longer. 
and longer. And the next thing you know, somebody's pregnant. You know, we make fun of Herb about being a bad salesman. I watch him do things like this, and I think, nah, Herb's a pretty good salesman. He's a manipulator. He knows what he's doing. That's what you got to do in sales sometimes. You've got to bring him around to your way of thinking, and he does it. Well, Carlson doesn't want uh, pregnant people at his office, so... <laughs> well, there's also that worry about sex in the hallways. Sex in the hallways. So he's getting the memo ready, and that's how that scene ends. We might as well let the employees have sex with one another in the halls. M- m- memo. memo. Uh. <laughs> oh, here we are, the day of the banquet. Yeah, we have a commercial break, and we've got a time jump now. We're a day later. We're in Andy's office the morning of the big date. And we notice a new poster. Down there to the far left, it's just a woman's head on the poster and then a script name above. And I just happened to catch it, Bonnie right. Pointer. Pointer, Pointer. Hey, that's yeah. one of the Pointer sisters. That is one of the Pointer sisters who decided to go out on a kind of an ill-conceived solo career. She had a couple of singles that were by no means hits. I uh, didn't recognize either one of them. No, there was this even one. Even when you were playing them. I don't So that's Bonnie Pointer of the Pointer Sisters, far more successful as a sister than out on her own. But, right, uh, as one of the sisters. Yeah, right. but she got a little promotion there. And again, this was a single being released right about that time. I really think the record companies had WKRP on their list of get them promo stuff, get it over to them. They're trying to break songs through WKRP. Andy, Johnny, and Venus are sitting around Andy's office talking about what Herb is going to do to himself because Les has a date with Jennifer. Well, and when they first come up, Johnny is betting Herb's going to kill himself. Well, we find out that we're already past that. We know Herb's going to kill himself. Venus is taking odds on how. He's got money out and he's counting the money (laughs) and they're taking bets on this. What time of day do you think this is? I think it's in the morning. Why isn't Johnny on the air? I don't know. Maybe he put on a long record. He seems pretty relaxed to be on the air. But in this scene, it felt like it was some guys sitting around in their college dorm room talking. This camaraderie going on between them. has that relaxed, loose feel to it, just joking around. And here comes Les with a shopping bag, a garment bag. He is ready to go. I love the way Venus greets him. There he is, the white superfly. Superfly you might remember was a 1972 movie about a priest that was a cocaine dealer. He was played by Ron O'Neill. Very famous as being very funky. Can a superfly Harlem dude beat the system? He's got a plan to stick it to the man. He's super hood, super high, super dude, super fly. They all start commenting on his date with Jennifer. They're slapping him on the back, congratulating him. And Les admits that he's got butterflies. Yeah, and they're great. I mean, they get around him and they start calming him down and they work on his breathing. He says, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Yeah, and Linus. uh, Linus. (laughs) (laughs) Venus gets him to do some breath exercises in and out. But Les is really shaky when he takes those breaths. Breathe in. (laughs) 
Les starts going through the garment bags. He pulls out this jacket that he plans to wear, and my goodness, it is double-breasted with a crest. This is some nice-looking stuff. Johnny's digging around in the bag, and he pulls out the ascot. Yes, Lester has purchased an ascot, and Venus is into it. Get down, Lester! When he says that, Les <laughs> bends his knees and starts going down. It's It reminds me a little bit of the Get In Line to Herb that they did in Turkey's Away. That great visual. Les just starts to get down, literally. And they all crack up. They're they're having a ball in this scene. This was such a fun scene. It is is fun. And these guys are such pros, and they work together so well. And just, this is so well written. It's just fun being in this room with And so well delivered. Meanwhile, Johnny pulls out the wig. Lester bought a little dog. Les has been to Mr. Macho. Uh-oh. Well, the, and, and Andy tells him, now, now Les, you know, they, whatever you want to do, that's your business. I really don't think you need this. But... Says the man that has the two massive sidewalls of hair. <laughs> Andy could just shave that off and give bushels of it to Locks of Love and still be looking oh, fine. Oh, my he'd, goodness. He'd be great. He's but, uh, got the head full of hair, that's for sure. But Les is not quite as flush when it comes to the follicles. So uh, Andy is maybe not the guy that you're going to listen to about not needing a wig. I would get that thing some shots. And the door opens and here comes Jennifer. Les is putting the wig back into the box and when Jennifer enters, Johnny kind of holds his shirt open a little bit to hide the box that the wig is in that Les is trying to put away real fast. Just for a second, but he does this little move, just a quick cover up, just here, I got you buddy, I got your back. Right, I thought that was so nice. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. And Les tosses the box onto the couch and the guys, they kind of walk away, la 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 la, to give them some time alone. All right. Now, I'm very sorry, but Lonnie Anderson, poor girl, is practically topless in this scene. There is nothing but a <sighs> sheer layer of gold lame between us and uh, and her birthday suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, now, I have a question here, dear. Yes. You are always reporting on Nipplegate, and I get Les's bandage report? Yeah, yeah. What? That's uh, that's just what? division of labor is what that is. It's, you know, we're just dividing things up here. You look for the bandage, I'll look for yeah, the Yeah, we know what you're looking for. Yeah, okay. so, you know, but... Uh, just clearing that up. Okay. <laughs> we cut that out in the open. Andy, As Venus, Lonnie and is. Johnny all start walking away whistling. She's delivering a memo, though. So she starts handing that out. And another uh, memo. Yeah, the memos are getting old fast. What's this one about walking on the floors? But Herb has had an impact. They start to read it and find out it is about no dating between employees. Right. And the three guys, Johnny, Les, and Andy, they are ready to go to war for Les. Immediately. No hesitation. They are behind Les 100%. And Jennifer is not going to put up with any of this. Either. This means it doesn't mean anything. But Les does not want to go against station policy. Yeah, Les is a rule follower. He, I can't go against station no. policy. And, and Lonnie says something that I have no trouble believing. Les, never in my life has someone broken a date with me. And neither does Venus. I heard that. I love that line. Venus line. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so perfect. And and again, here's Tim Timry. It's not too loud. It's not too fast. It's it's so perfectly dropped in yes. there. It is just devastatingly funny. Les looks at Jennifer and says, I'm sorry, Jennifer, and Jennifer leaves. Oh, yeah. He That's turns harsh. To, he is the first person 
to break a date with Jennifer. Andy, Venus, Johnny, they are just all saying, Les, toss that memo away. Forget about it. It doesn't mean anything. You can go on this date. But oh. Les is that much right. of a... <laughs> is that much of a Boy Scout. And you know, I would like to point out the Boy Scout got the really hot woman too, okay? So <laughs> it does pay off being a Boy Scout. I can attest to that myself. Oh. Thank you, there dear. You go, baby. You're trying to make up for Nipplegate. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I'm making up for Nipplegate. All right. Andy, Venus, and Johnny take off out of the office. They're heading to see Carlson. They've got a bone to pick with Carlson. Hey, look, Les, I just forget this whole thing, you know? Hell yes, man. We're talking human rights here. Now, as the rest of the gang is heading to Art's office to complain about this memo, Les heads back to his desk in the bullpen. And we noticed on the back wall of Les's office, there is a red poster from the University of Cincinnati, which, of course, anything like that in the background is going to make me go, hey, let's look that up. Cincinnati <laughs> is, is the oldest institution of higher education in Cincinnati. It was established, get this, 1819. Been around a while. That's a long time ago. Before radio. Oh, before, yeah. <laughs> Lots of stuff that we take for granted. And it's a big school. I was shocked at how large it is, actually. Uh, an annual enrollment of 44,000. It is the second largest university in the state of Ohio. Well, Les is sitting at his desk. He's looking at his wig. And here comes the Mr. Macho advertisement playing on the monitor. The, the timing could not be better. And I want to know what schedule has Mr. Macho purchased on WKRP because <laughs> they're running some frequency. After the uh, ad, it goes right into hot-blooded. Foreigner had a lot of luck with temperatures in July of 1977. Their single, Cold as Ice, peaked at number six in July of 78. This one, hot-blooded from the album Double Vision, peaked at number three. out of his box. Oh, yeah. And the manipulation of the ascot. We talked about the application of the wig. He extends Herb's mirror. He's looking in the mirror and he's getting into hot-blooded. And he's doing a little shimmying. He's yes, moving. He takes off his bow tie, which is a snap-on, we find out. And he doesn't tie his own bow ties. He I just snaps it right off. do not begrudge him that for a moment. If you've ever had to tie an actual real bow tie... But it's a people, pain. Of all people, I thought Les would know how to do that. Well, he unbuttons his shirt, two buttons. Yes. Puts on the Risque, ascot, tucks it in. He's moving. Starts buttoning up the double-breasted coat. After he gets it buttoned up, he does this little... There's there's a little shimmy there. Uh, yeah, that shimmy. That he's getting just positioning it just I right. Just, and I love that. Then he gets the wig out of the box. And you know what? Yes. One extended shot. He bends and, over. Oh. In front of the mirror, puts the wig on his head and stands up and gives it a final pull-down wiggle With his to make sure it's snugly on. on his head. With the glasses oh. on, which means the earpieces of the glasses are now under the cap of the wig. He stands up with this down-to-business expression oh, on man. his face. That curly, curly wig on his head. And you know what oh. hair? You know what hair does to a man? It gives him power. <laughs> Les is walking tall. He's he feeling it. Drives out of that bullpen. He is headed for Mr. Carlson's office, and you'd better not get in I'm his way. I'm surprised he's not carrying a baseball bat. Yes. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about this wig. Yes, this is quite a quite a hairpiece. It, it's a great color. 
And it looks like it would be the color of Les's hair if he had any. Yeah, there's quite so a the color works. bit there, though. Oh, gosh, there's a lot of it. <laughs> there's a lot of it. And it looks like curlers were just taken out of it and not combed out. Well, you first saw it and you said, he needs to pick that out. Yeah, he needs to pick it. <laughs> but it actually looks like the way that my mom used to have her hair styled back in the 70s. Now, you had another comment about this wig that I think might also be a bit of an influence in Les's decision. It kind of echoes Herb's hair. It does. You Herb has a lot feel. of hair. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's Herb's hair color, is... It's a different color, but... Well, and, and Herb's kind of stands up with the, Herb's got some body to it, and he's, he's got, got some got curl in it. pretty healthy waves in yeah, there. Yeah, there's some waves in there. This wig kind of echoes Herb, and knowing what we know about Lurb, I, I <laughs> don't, you know, that might have been part of the decision. Well, look out, because he's on his way to Carlson's office. <laughs> he is storming, storming. <laughs> we make a cut then into Carlson's office and another one of these great visuals around the desk. Uh, you've got all the vectors, all the all the people mad at Art. They're all faced into him and yelling. Look, why can't I make at least one rule that sticks? It's a bad rule. Les enters. Ba-bam. He is looking very determined. He's ready to rumble. But and he looks everybody, so different. Everybody leaves the, well, first, yeah, Carlson looks up and he's like, Who is this? <laughs> it's me, Mr. Carlson. Les Nessman. As if after he says, it's me, Mr. Carlson, he had to say, Les Nessman. Well, yeah, he's got to identify <laughs> himself. He is so strikingly different. You have to study him for a minute to go, oh, yeah, it is Les. It is. Then it gets right in Les's face. They're right over there after everybody's left the office. And he says, Les, have you lost your mind? Maybe. Uh-oh. <laughs> this, uh-oh. this may be, he, says, he may have pushed Les too far. He has never seen Les do no. this before, act this way. Carlson lets it slip that Herb, he's the one behind the employee dating. The whole fraternization memo and art realizes that that was Herb's idea. And now Les is putting two and two together. Yeah. He, there's this great back and forth question and answer in between and, Carlson and Les. And here again, the business with the wig. It starts out when Les gets mad about Herb. He takes the wig, grabs it off of his head, and slams it down on Art's desk. In the middle of the conversation, yes. doesn't pause, doesn't respond to it, just throws it down on the desk. Art, as he continues the conversation, picks it up and hands it back to Les. Nobody breaks stride in this conversation. Les slams it back on the desk. Every they point he makes, he slams it point. down. Nobody breaks up and I'm rolling on the floor. So Les tells Carlson that Herb's jealous because Jennifer agreed to go on a date with him. And suddenly Art understands the lights go on He's throughout the building. He yes. realizes what has happened and that's when he takes the wig and this time instead of handing it back to Les, puts it behind him and sets it on his desk. <laughs> so Suddenly, the mood of the conversation has changed. Les explains, you know, Mr. Carlson, it's been a while since I've been on a date. I had a girlfriend for a while last year, but then she moved to St. Louis to find herself. Now, that whole find yourself thing, normally finding yourself involves tropics or a big city. Where where, where would you go to find yourself? Somewhere with drinks and coconuts, I think. (laughs) I would want to go find myself there. But this young lady who was dating Les has moved from a city in the Midwest on a river 
to a city in the Midwest on a river. <laughs> right. It's like the Twin Cities. Yeah, in there's not a lot of differentiation. About the same population. Yeah, we're only about 90 miles from St. Louis. I don't think there's going to be a lot of finding going on there. No, I could think of better places to yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a nice town. A we weekend. like St. Louis. Sure. It's a fun weekend. Love the Cardinals, but uh, I don't know about finding yourself there. <laughs> Les continues saying that he can see Jennifer just took pity on him yeah, and Les, he starts feeling down in the dumps again. He goes back to that kind of beaten up on himself. That moment of self-confidence and of assertiveness is gone. It has passed. Art tries to cheer him up. Oh, come on. Look, Les, you're, you're very personable. I mean, you're uh, uh, clean. <laughs> I mean, what? You just won this pink porker thing. Silver sow. He's telling him, hey, you won that pink porker thing. Pink porker. Uh, and there's another reference to it's it. It's always got to be a color and then a pig reference, but the pink porkers. Brother, you won the pink porker thing. He says, go to the bank with Jennifer. Go ahead. Have a good time. And he calls Jennifer into the office. And, you know, we know Art's a good guy, and we know that Art's going to be a reasonable guy, and this is the art that that we know and love. He, and he, he understands is, the game that Herb oh, has played. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he doesn't want to ruin Les's night, so he well, calls he, Jennifer in. Right, and as they're waiting for Jennifer to come in, Arthur picks up the wig and he goes, <laughs> darn that, Herb, and he throws the wig down on the desk. Exactly the same thing that Les had been doing. Several times. Yeah. <laughs> and Les grabs the wig hey. and he puts the wig back on. Yes, Les does another application of the wig with the same wig shimmy. Right before Jennifer comes in, Carlson says, "Listen, Les, I, I don't, I don't mind this fraternization thing. It's just that I, I don't want any sex in the halls. <laughs> I'll try to behave myself, Mister. I'm glad Les is exerting some self control." <laughs> On that, on that front there. So Jennifer comes in, standing next to Les. Les now back in the wig with the goofy smile on his face. And boy, aren't they <laughs> the interesting couple. It looks like prom night, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Art is a little flustered now with the two of them in there together. And he says, forget about the memo. And you two just go and have a, a good time at this uh, pig ball. Pig ball. The pig ball. <laughs> Now, now we get back to one of the themes, I think, if we were writing a paper about this episode, one of the overarching themes of it is have confidence in yourself. Be Les, yourself. Be yourself. Les doesn't need hair. He doesn't need a fancy coat. He, he doesn't, doesn't need, need an ascot. No. Jennifer was attracted to Les. Not all that stuff. So she asks him. Before we go, I was wondering if you could, oh, you know... Slip into a, a little bow tie for me? Yes, and as he heads out the door, <laughs> she gently lifts the wig off of his head, drops it onto Carlson's desk. Yeah, leaves it on Art's <laughs> desk. I would bet a wig from Mr. Macho is probably fairly pricey. He doesn't want that to get too far away. See if he can return that Well, thing. as much as he's advertising, yeah, he's got to sell a bunch that, of them to pay for that. That that macho uh, frequency that they're doing there is, gets expensive. Five, 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 macho. It's the next day, and we're in the bullpen, and Jennifer's putting mail on desks. Bailey's the only one in there with her. How was the uh, banquet? It was a lot of fun. Everyone just talked pigs all night, but I was really proud of Les. Yeah. 
What's he like on a date? Very gallant. Now, there was more to the date than just the banquet. Jennifer says they headed out for drinks after, and as we would expect from Mr. Nessman... Later, he took me to this intimate little place, and I had a martini, and Les had a hot chocolate. <laughs> and then they got to Jennifer's apartment. Now, I'm wondering about transportation here. Jennifer's not riding on the back of Les's motor scooter, is she... Maybe let's borrow mom's car. Well, I don't know. That might be, or or <laughs> possibly a cab. They might be doing something there. Could but, be. Uh, they, that they was got, before the days of Uber. Yeah, no, no Lyft coming for you. But uh, they got <laughs> back to Jennifer's apartment, and she did invite him up. But on the way up the stairs, his knees sort of gave out. <laughs> <laughs> It was just too Ooh, much. Too much? Way too it. much. But yes. he did take a rain check. Yeah, yeah, he did. Les comes in and talk about a happy, proud... Holding moment. his Silver Sow Award in front of him as he's walking. Yes, my da, 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 goodness. Da, 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 da. He, he's practically floating. Right behind comes Herb, and mm, it's a new day, but still no fashion alert no, on this. this one is a rerun. It's that brown jacket with the, the kind of yellowish grid on yeah. it and the pockets turned up. We've done it before in a fashion alert, and Herb seems to like that one as a go-to. So yeah. you've, you've got to figure, in a sales guy's closet, you got maybe a dozen suits, 15 suits, so you can you can rotate every couple of weeks, but yeah, we're seeing a few of Herb's coming back around. Les tells Jennifer, hey, Herb's apologized for everything. Yeah, that's right. I'm real sorry about everything. Big deal. And boy, he sounds sincere. <laughs> Jennifer goes ahead and she leaves the bullpen. <laughs> She's got things to do, I guess. Now, Les is not a man to exact revenge or to be, uh, uh, you know, brutish at all. But I think Les has been working on this bar oh, for all a night. while. I'm sure he was riding up on the elevator so excited about using this line, but he gets himself situated behind his desk, <laughs> and he is all settled in with his Silver Sow Award, and then he says... Remember once telling me that you bet Jennifer had a round bed? Yeah. Well, it's rectangular, just like everyone else's. <laughs> I guess his door was open because uh, Herb heard him. <laughs> the Herb's facial reaction is priceless. He just freezes for a minute. <laughs> if he'd have hit him right upside the head with the hog book, Herb would have been happier about it than that. Oh, but he just freezes and like he can't believe what he just heard. <laughs> then he drops whatever it was he was looking up at and he stands up as if he's ready to he leap is over gone, his and desk. that's that's where we get the freeze. The so. freeze at the end. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap it up. Uh, oh, so glad the laughs are back. Date with Jennifer, getting us going into a fantastic run of shows. Can't wait for it. What is up next week, Donna? The contest nobody could win, yeah. where Johnny announces a contest prize of $5,000 instead of $50. Oops, should have made that this, decimal bigger. puts both Andy and Johnny's jobs in jeopardy. All right, that's going to do it for the WKRP cast. We thank you for joining us. If you'd like to watch along with us, please check our show notes. Got a question, comment, or correction? Let us know about it. Write us at WKRPcast at gmail.com. And remember, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. May the good news be yours. The 
WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shout Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP in Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders. Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger!